Matt Wiseman, and this is Meaning What. Today I just wanted to give you an update. It's been a little over a week since the the uh, Capitol Hill was stormed by insurrectionists. That's the best word. Donald Trump has moved out of the White House and taken some of these, some of the things that belong to the White House. She has a right to buy, but not a right to take. So we'll see if we add these petty crimes to the major crimes he's committed. So uh, I got four updates to give you today, and I hope that you find them informative. I hope that, you know, You've heard about these before me because they're kind of big deals. Um, And also some takes that I actually want to talk to you about. So four small parts and then we'll do a sum. Okay. Part one. The Stop the Steal protest got out of hand. And there were thousands of people there. We know more about it now than when uh, my last episode went out. It looks like Donald Trump did not call in the National Guard um, or any assistance. That that was uh, um, Vice President Pence actually had to call in to stop things. Trump did get on board, and now he's being dragged as a traitor. And some of his more extreme members... And this is the water he's swimming in. Some of the more extreme members are now calling for him to be hanged along with um, the Vice President Pence. So this thing has gotten out of control. If it wasn't clear last week, if it wasn't clear months ago, it's out of control. Um, The Joint Chiefs have said there will be a true transition and that they are doing their... um, They have dealt with anyone within their ranks that might be connected to this. So that means that the armed forces have it under control. They will have a transition of power, and Joe Biden will not be the president-elect. He will be the president. So those who find comfort in that, please find comfort in that. Because Trump is a chaos agent. If nothing else, he's a chaos agent. The FBI is on it. They have tracked down thousands. I think as of like two, three days ago, they were saying they had 170 people in custody, um, that they identified 500 that had entered the Capitol Hill out of the thousands that were there. So that's just an update on that. Uh, I wanted to speak a little bit about how left media is taking this. And and I did this before with my um, critique before. I think that it is an outrage and everybody is entitled to be angry and to be outraged. We need to be clear-headed and see what we're actually trying to do. Now, the FBI is going about this like a organized crime syndicate. They're going to find the footmen and they're going to try and work their way up. And they they found that there was some foreign money through Bitcoin that's coming from France 
as $500,000 in Bitcoin that was getting distributed to people all over the U.S. to come to stop the steal. That's suspicious, but that doesn't mean that Bitcoin is to blame. It doesn't mean Signal is to blame. It doesn't mean that Facebook is to blame. These people are going to find an outlet. And what I've seen a lot in left media is that there's there's a there's a big problem because people are are happy they saw some pro neo nazi pro um confederacy propaganda on these people and all of a sudden they they're jumping to conclusions. We don't really know what happened and yeah, we know that most of these people were white and some of them were QAnon. But that doesn't mean that they're all disposable or that we can paint everybody that was at the stop the steal with a broad brush. I'm a leftist and I'm of the opinion that solidarity matters and that working people suffer with their class. Now, we can't let Republicans or Democrats divide us and turn us against each other. Should we subject ourselves to hate? Absolutely not. And we should reject hate wherever we find it. But if it is being used to political ends by cynics, if it is being used to divide us against each other so we can be more easily controlled, we need to look at that. We need to examine that. Uh, Brianna Joy Gray and Virgil Texas were discussing this on their Bad Faith Pos- the Bad Faith podcast that they do together. And... I think it was the best take I've heard about this, is that if you are outraged by white supremacy and the people who have racist ideology, you want to run towards that. You don't want to just paint everybody with the same brush. You want to talk to as many of these people as you can. You want to hear why they think the way that they do who is the ones that are the authorities they're listening to that are programming in this in this way? You want to try and get to the bottom of it, and then you can address the hate. And yeah, perhaps they can be reformed. Perhaps people that are working that are aggrieved can be helped and can get out of that. I'm not saying everybody. But we can't just be offended about what they do. We can't just be offended about the ideology that they are supporting because these could be allies and they already are within our class. And if we just paint everybody with this broad brush and we call them deplorables, then we're no better than the elites. If we just censor one or two of them and hope that the whole thing goes away, we're totally naive. Censorship isn't good. It's really bad. You're telling the state or you're telling private, large, monopolistic corporations that free speech and public forums are not for everybody. Now, things that are against the law should be against the law. And you should leave that to law enforcement to enforce. But I don't think private organizations have any right to deplatform the president. And if they don't have faith in the system, 
then in a way, are they any better than the people out there protesting with Stop the Steal? Facebook and Twitter are saying they don't have faith in the system when they are taking the president off their service. And honestly, the fact that Facebook and Twitter are in the position to do that is another reason to think that our system has failed. And I think that we're not being honest with ourselves if we think that it's just Donald Trump or it's just these people that stop the steal, it's just these insurrectionists, because the grief, the, the, the grief that they've suffered, that the working class collectively has suffered and will suffer, or their, ch- their children will have the, a less of an opportunity than our parents had, than we've had, where the world will be less stable and will be less habitable because of the actions or inactions of our government and the actions of our big businesses that will have more viruses, that will have more poverty, that there'll be less people employed and there'll be less security across the nation, that there'll be more deaths that are totally preventable because there's less access to health care. Those things are real for all of us. And if we just turn our backs on everybody who's suffering because they also believe some radical ideology, that radical ideology will just be replaced by another or it'll get worse. The people that are suffering, they need an outlet. They need a political expression. They need people that are going to advocate for them. And honestly, just the squad and Bernie Sanders aren't enough. And the squad have fallen into this and calling everybody white supremacists. And perhaps they're right with Donald Trump, but that's not going to solve anything unless he is held accountable and unless he is this sacrificial lamb that goes down. And I hear Jim Comey saying that perhaps Biden should pardon him to get over healing. It's just disgusting. It's like the GOP saying we need to move beyond this by ignoring it, and that's how we'll get beyond this. No. We need accountability. We need the people up top. We need Mark Zuckerberg. We need uh, Jack Dorsey. We need Donald Trump. We need MSNBC. We need uh, Fox News. We need all of these people to be held accountable. Obviously, I know that they're corporations. But the heads of CNN and the heads of the New York Times that recently lied, like, we need to find accountability so that we can change behavior. If there's no consequence, things only get worse. Part two, pandemic update. So, The vaccine rollout is a total colossal failure. It's not that the vaccines don't work. It's not that we don't know it's important, but the bureaucracy and the government itself and its ability to distribute things effectively is a failure. Once again, it's been relegated to the states and they don't have proper funding and they they are bureaucratic and they are all screwing it up. Uh, Florida, Texas, California, 
New York, they got huge doses and they are going bad. These are the only places that can really have it at the right temperature. It's got to be like negative 20 degrees and constantly. And so you need bigger facilities that have the capacity to keep them cold. And they're only good for about 20 days. And they are dying, or two weeks, I think, 14 days. So, and they're just dying. They're, they're, there's vaccines that are not getting distributed because it's so means-tested, it's so tested. And it's not helping. It's not helping to have a vaccine that we have that can't be used because bureaucrats, because lack of funding, because just inability of government. People are still, the worst days were just last week. There's a day of 4,000. There's hundreds of thousands of deaths. This is not a joke. We need to do this properly. We need to do this right. And we need to just get it done. And we're, we're in our federal government, in the, in the state governments, we're arguing about who gets access. We're arguing about... Um, you know, if their election was legitimate, we're, we're arguing about spending money. People are dying. Americans are dying. And then there's a new strand. The new strand came over, and it is in the U.S., and it is bad. It came from, uh, I guess they first detected it in the, the U.K., and it's exponential growth. It has, it's a higher infection rate. Um, which makes it just as deadly, makes it way more deadly because higher infection rate means more people get it, means the people that get it are going to actually be still at risk. Even though our treatments are better, people with pre-existing conditions, people that are older, people with compromised immune systems, they are all at risk of dying. And it looks like we're just going to with these two factors, the, the pandemic fail, uh, failure of the vaccine rollout and the new strain, it's going to be broad infections. It's going to be rates going through the roof. It's going to be deaths going through the roof. Overwhelmed hospitals. You know, refrigerated trucks being portable morgues, just like we had at the beginning. And we know that's already happening in California. When you say people do something, this is what they can do, is they can work together, state, local, federal, and do everything they can to save American lives. Not begrudge what kind of government represents a state where it's one part or the other. Honestly, I think we'd all be better without any parties. This is ridiculous. These private corporations are killing people. The Republicans and the Democrats are private corporations. They're stopping people from getting their voice heard in government. They're enemies of the people because they are, through their misfunctioning, before through their mistakes, they are killing people. People are dying. They're dying from lack of access to health care. They're dying from the inability of the health care system to serve them. They're dying from get not being able to get the vaccine. They're dying because there's a pandemic going on and we can't get protections to people. And there's a culture war over these protections. 
The government failed here. And the American people paid the price. And they're not changing, not so far. Not under Trump. Part three, Biden came out with a plan. A, uh, his, his plan was released a few nights ago, I think on Thursday night maybe, and it includes state and local aid, it includes $15 minimum wage, it includes uh, $1,400 checks for the American people. So all these things are good, but they're all bundled together. And for Republicans, Republicans especially, the ones that were still part of the Stop the Steal, and they were, they were trying to support at least half-heartedly Donald Trump, even after the insurrectionists attacked their place of work, attacked the Capitol. Even after that, they still voted To, um, to disregard or at least to investigate the, uh, the Electoral College, trying to overthrow the Electoral College. And, um, and that was the whole reason that that was even that day. The Electoral College was certified and there's no more barriers. Like that was even a barrier, but there is no more barriers to Biden being put into office, President-elect Biden, being the president. And, but even if ideology means anything, if austerity means anything anymore, the zombie Reaganism that was controlling part of the GOP, that the donor class, the elite part of the GOP, the suburban part of the GOP was in objection to. And then there was the extremist part of the GOP these kind of rural, white, poor, and that became Trumpist. There is a class distinction. There is a different level of grief and anger. And getting them to play ball at all is going to be very difficult. I think that the, the angry part of the GOP base, this this popular maybe 30%, then all these people that still support Trump, they want a real bailout. They want real relief checks, survival checks. And maybe they want some of these reforms. But it's going to be hard to get through the Senate. And it's going to get hard to get them to work with any Democrats. And when the Democrats are already breaking promises, it's hard to get even the Democratic electorate to support their ideas. So Biden said the night before the Georgia runoffs, after all of the $2,000 check arguments were done, that Mitch McConnell had killed it and the vote went down and they didn't have a standalone vote because the Democrats, you know, all but five and Bernie in the Senate, 
they betrayed him and they didn't follow his plan to withhold the vote on a uh, defense spending authorization bill, which wasn't even the actual bill. It was just an authorization, you know, for raises and whatnot. It still would have gone through before the end of the year that he just wanted to have a standalone vote on $2,000 checks. And then him and Josh Colley had put this together. $2,000 monthly dollar, $2,000 checks were proposed by Kamala Harris back in March. We never got any monthly payment. So this was the second payment, and it was supposed to be $2,000. And then they went down, and they went down, and they went to $1,200 with Josh Hawley and, his, and Bernie Sanders putting forward the standalone bill. And McConnell went to six. They were going to pass it with nothing, and then they, went, they put up this thing, uh, Hawley and, Bar- and Bernie. And then they offered them six hundred because they were fighting for two thousand. They were fighting for fourteen hundred. They were fighting for twelve hundred. Sorry, and they offered him six. And he wanted a standalone vote for two thousand because there was pressure because the president Donald Trump was saying we need it ASAP. So, what do they do? The Democrats don't vote. They go ahead and they vote through the defense authorization spending bill. And he's got no more leverage, and Bernie can't get the $2,000 checks. And Biden hasn't done anything with it. So that was the whole $2,000 checks debacle. And that's said and done. People even got money in their bank accounts. And then less than a week later, with the Georgia runoffs, Biden comes out the day before and says he wants $2,000 checks. So what does that mean? Plain and simple, that's what you get. You vote for the Democrats, you give them the Senate, you get $2,000 checks. It's a very simple and easy promise. People just got $600 checks, they got $1,200 checks before. This was going to be another $2,000 checks. You can't just resurrect an old argument when people even got paid. It was said and done. He wanted to chime in late, and then he should have made that clear. But instead, he said $2,000 checks. So, what's he end up delivering, you know, a week later after he gets uh, all his, his votes, he gets everything done, and he gets the Senate? Biden says, and even Warnock put this up, you want the $2,000 check? Had a picture of the check? Vote for me. Okay? It's very simple. Biden's promise is broken already. He compromised with himself. He's like, well, you just got 600 so 1400 more is 2000 are you kidding me? Who forced him to do that? Is that what we said? Then he puts it with these poison pills of uh, $15 minimum wage and state and local aid. These are things we knew that held up the HEROES Act. We knew that was months of negotiating with the White House, months of negotiating with the uh, Senate majority um, GOP uh, with Mitch McConnell at the head. Months and months and months of nothing. And we know that it was killed from state and local. I mean, they wanted a lobbyist bailout, for crying out loud. And then Biden pre-compromises? It's really a bad sign. It's a simple, prog- uh, a simple promise. Vote for me, get $2,000 checks. Give me the Senate, get $2,000 checks. All he had to do was put that up by itself. Take the win. 
It'll be very hard for Republicans to say no to that. But no, he's got to put it in a bundle. He's got to make it complicated. Got to obscure things. Got to keep it from the American people. Got to try and push something else through. This is old school political idiocy. Only 40 years of being a political idiot can make you such an idiot when you try and do something like this. And I'm not saying I don't agree that we need these other things, but take the win. Why are you going to try and just give people less than what you offered when they already paid you? Part four, Pompeo, you gotta love him. He is this heart of international darkness. He is a bad person. And two examples of that this week. One, he gave a ridiculous speech saying that Iran, the Shiite theocracy of Iran, was in league and harboring Sunni extremist Al-Qaeda. You heard me right. Iran, the, the Shia theocracy that runs Iran, was actually had the Sunni mortal enemies of the Shia extremist group, Al-Qaeda, that they were harboring in their borders. He actually said this as if he was setting up some kind of pretext to another Iraq invasion invasion of Iraq. It's a terrible lie. It's absolutely absurd to anyone knows anything about the region. Really basic knowledge. Shia and Sunni are not ideologically aligned. For Sunni extremists like Al-Qaeda, the Shia are a bigger threat and they're a bigger target than the U.S., So he literally said that, as if he's been trying to drum up a, an attack on Iran for months. This is what he's been doing for over a year, trying to attack Iran, trying to get into an engagement with Iran, which is foolish. Iran is four times as large as Iraq. The amount of a problem it's going to be is unheard of. And then, I just heard this today, maybe yesterday, Friday, um, Pompeo also got the Department of State to call the Houthi rebels in Yemen, in the war on Yemen, the Houthi government of the Yemenese people, which is governing 80% of the people. Ideologically, it is supporting most of the Yemenis who are Shia. These Houthis are Shia. He called them terrorists. Got the U.S. To, the State Department to designate them as terrorists, which means that the starving people of Yemen cannot get aid because they're allied with terrorists or they are terrorists themselves, even though they're just starving people in a war-torn country. What's happening in Yemen is a Saudi-led coalition that has controlled the government and is losing that control 
the Saudis, the Saudi coalition backed by the U.S. has gone in and is trying to repress the people. There's two reasons for this. It's just a straight-up war, but there's two major reasons. One, there's a lot of oil in Yemen. And two, strategically and geopolitically, it's on a very uh, important strait that allows their ships to come through. It controls that strait. So Saudi Arabia, their economy is dependent on the suppression of Yemen. And the Yemeni's people want their own nation. They don't want to be a client state to Saudi Arabia. They want to have their own sovereignty, and they are supporting the Houthis. And the Houthis is just an ideology. It's, 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 the, the guy named Houthi was killed by the, the, the state. He was killed by the president, the previous president. And then his brother took over and expanded things, and these are the rebels how can they rebel against their own state? They're rebelling against the rule of Saudi Arabia. And Pompeo and the secretary, the, the, the State Department here, Mike Pompeo, he's, he's got them to be declared as terrorists. So now even if Americans thought, hey, the people of Yemen, I want to support them, I want to give them some aid, I want to pay, you know, get some money to get some medicine or food to them, you can't because you'll be supporting terrorists. They're not terrorists. The EU hasn't called them terrorists, and they're involved in the Saudi coalition. It's just Pompeo. He's a crazy person. He is this war hawk insanity that just wants to get us into war. In Donald Trump's last days, we need to reject the, the military-industrial complex. We need to reject this idea of going into endless wars. We need to reject wars on new nations that could be our allies, that we rely on to be in control of their own borders. The whole thing with the Iraq and, and Afghanistan was that they couldn't control their own borders, so we need to go in there and control them instead of helping out these nations become stronger, we went in. It's just, war is an offense against humanity. It's inexcusable. So, to kind of sum up everything. We covered how not, not everyone who has a, gri a gripe against the government is necessarily your enemy or a terrorist or an insurrectionist. We need to find a way to have discourse have better representation, to have more democracy, because the answer when people are trying to take our democracy away from us isn't to take it away from ourselves. 
that won't solve the problem. We need more discourse. We need more freedom. We need more personal empowerment. We need more representation. We need to stop having minority parties control at least half the government. We need to have a bigger and better government that does more for people in terms of the vaccine, in terms of people's economic health. The biggest challenges for Joe Biden are going to be threefold. He's got to take care of the accountability after the the, uh, capital insurrectionists and who orchestrated that and why that was allowed to continue. He needs to do something there. He needs to take care of the economic pain people are feeling, people are stuck in, and he needs to get that vaccine out. Those are his three major rollouts. And if he can get health care while he's at it and he can get a minimum wage while he's at it, all more power to him. I think that's going to be good for the nation. If they can have a discussion about censorship, they can have a discussion about the power of social media and how it needs to be more controlled or at least overseen by the U.S. government, that's very important. And we need to get away from our speech and our public forums being controlled by private corporations. They've gone too far. And in nations uh, like Uganda, they totally banned them. In China, they censored them. There's no reason that we can't take another strong stance towards these companies. If we want them to exist, then it's fine. But let's find a way to make it equitable. Let's find a way to make it just. Let's find a way to make it so that they're not infringing upon rights and people's desire to be heard and their ability to be heard. Let's make it so that they're liable. We have to change it. Biden, he's got those three challenges and he's off to a bad start, but he's not even in there yet. So there's a reason to hope and we need to give him a chance. But as I said to my sisters, it's goodwill only goes so far. And you're lucky if you get a month. And that was from people paying you in advance for now something you're saying that you're not even going to try and do. Not seriously. You're not even going to try and do the $2,000 checks. You're going to try and do the $1,400 checks and then tell us it's the same. You know, it's an old expression. Don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. So I feel like that's what the Democrats are doing right now. But if they get these three things done, it might not matter. And lastly, the U.S. imperial system, the warmongers that are in our government, like Pompeo, it's inexcusable. And people really should be aware of our foreign policy and how these people try to drum up war. And there's a lot of complicity. There's a lot of media that is on top of it. They are pushing the the Defense Department's talking points. They are putting these people in positions where they can influence discourse. And these people are not good actors. Michael Flynn is a good example. Jim Comey is another good example. These people are not good actors and they should not be listened to. I know we'll be fine. 
know that we're in a position now that's scary. So protect yourselves, stay home, and this transition will be over soon. And there is reason to hope. So hold on to hope, believe in one another, and try and change things for the better. Because you know there's people out there that just think about themselves and they're not trying to help you. They're not trying to help me. And they want us at each other's throats. I don't want that. I want hope and love and I want humanity to be leading the charge. I want there to be a floor to the amount of indignities we allow people to suffer. A certain amount of dignity that we say comes with being an American. And I want there to be a limit on the amount of power and greed an individual can have. Those parameters are set by a good government. We can have a good government if we can just have a say. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.